When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. My name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 322 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It's Thursday evening, it's really bright and sunny, and I'm here, sitting in my room alone. But I'm not really alone, am I? Because right in front of me there's a computer screen, and on that screen there's two strapping young men. One is Adam Shanahan, Sonic Architect of the Stars, and the other, you're about to hear his voice right now, everybody, it's Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello, hello, hello. Or hello, as you said in your very Jagger-esque intro. I like that. Yeah, that's who I am now. The Mick Jagger Jagger. podcasting. (laughs) It is lovely out. I was out in the garden before this. It was great. Yeah. Catching some some final rays of the day. (laughs) Finishing a three-part podcast on Steven Seagal. (laughs) Please send this to me immediately. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, it's the the dollop. Yo, Uh, just the worst. Possibly the worst, but hilariously horrendous. Need to quickly clarify that we think this man should be probably in prison at this stage. Oh, he's a sociopath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but you know, other podcasts are available. This being one of them, it's No Encore. It's a music podcast. We're back and we will be recording a brand new No Ox Chord this weekend. It's our Recommends Corner. That will be coming out on the Monday after this drops. So that's over on patreon.com slash noencore where you can support the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, price of a pint or whatever you're feeling yourself. In return, bonus episodes, weekly episode previews, occasional playlists and our undying love. Patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help us out. Uh, as for this show, uh, no album review this week because it was one of those weeks. But boy, do we have a top five. One that I think we've kind of flirted with before. A lot, it's, yeah. <laughs> quite in a the shortlist. It's top five parody songs. And that's coming later in the program. It's going to get funny, I presume. Or maybe it won't be. Maybe there'll be really, really bad examples of parodies. Maybe parody is a form of humour that is just reprehensible, Craig. Where do you stand on it in general? 
It's certainly tough to do, right? I mean, there was an ocean of absolutely cringe-worthy ones out there. So it's we kind of left it up to ourselves whether we were going to go for the best of the best, pure funniest, or just like noteworthy for whatever reason. Re- reason they're kind of like car crash ones. Or uh, I, I kind of stuck to ones that actually make me laugh. I think just because once you open the floodgates of the awfulness out there. It would have just been too much to take, I think. Like, I was toying at one stage with a, a pretty lame, like, soy piss take, which, which was, like, vegan style instead of Gangnam style. And I'm like, I can't go down this road. I'm just going to stick to stuff I actually like. Um, yeah. <laughs> how about you? It's pretty much the same for me. There's a lot of right. very unfunny ones out there, but I think I've honed in on the gold. In some cases, actually, I think in every case, I'm not sure if any of these are actually licensed. I don't know if any of them are on Spotify as songs per se. But they they have a place in my heart, anyway. Well, some of them do, but we'll see. Right. Anyway, listen, let's not stand on ceremony. Let's dive into our supersized news section. Hey, you heard about the good news? Craig. David. Have you caught Ed Sheeran fever? <laughs> no. I must be the only one in the country, right? So um, it feels like a, a pre-show for Garth Brooks going on at does. the moment. It sounds yeah. like you caught something. Um, <laughs> something affecting your brain anyway because I'm looking at the running order and mm-hmm. it says Dave actually attempted to go see Ed Sheeran I'm very relieved you you appear to have been unsuccessful you well, do it's, tell it's, 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 it's not over yet to quote Claxons and their cover of that great song um, he did a couple of warm-up shows in Dublin during the week, one in Whelan's and one in Vicar Street, and kind of last minute. So I was off for a couple, of, a couple of beautiful days off this week and when I came back to work on Wednesday uh, I was like, oh, we should probably write something on Ed Sheeran, shouldn't we? Like, it's it's his big big week, big couple of weeks for him. He's playing lots of Irish shows, 10 in total across Dublin, Cork and Limerick. Oh my God, that many? As well. Yeah, yeah, well, if you include the Whelan's one in the victory when he did the for fans only stuff there during the week, kind of like what the killers do when they come to town. It's a cool thing if you're a fan, I would imagine. Yeah. So I kind of was like, uh, I'd like to write something about him, but write what though? He doesn't inspire a lot of... Where's the hook? So I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll go to the Vicar Street show. It's just around the corner. So I got onto the PR hours before the event. And I was like, hey, how's it going? And she was like, absolutely not. No, sorry, no. And I was just like, okay. Well, you know, you got to try these things. Um, Do you remember the the Whelan's, the last time you played Whelan's, um, former co-host of No Encore, Colm O'Regan, was in attendance. Mm. um, As a journalist reporting on it. But he was in like an antechamber watching him on a screen. I actually antechamber, it was the bar, but it was so jam packed that he wasn't technically in the room. Yeah, and I, I mean, in fairness, I was politely rebuffed, and I think it was more a combination of me leaving it to the very last minute, and also it's, I think fans were prioritized. But the thing is, Greg, I have actually put in a second request as of this morning, asking to go to one of the Croke Park shows this weekend for the purposes and I of point review. Out, my mother was offered a ticket and turned it down. <laughs> She's like, nope. <laughs> but well, she, she didn't have a piece to write, you know. Well, yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I've yet to hear back. But according to rumour and report, Craig, there's a lot of tickets out there. Um, it looks oh. like it hasn't sold as well as we thought it might. Uh, there was a hilarious tweet from Erin Roderan, Irish Rail, where they said, uh, due to lack of demand, our special Ed Sheeran services on Sunday and Monday from Cork to Dublin have been cancelled, which was Bit just of shade of the... Isn't it? Yeah. Admin shade from from, from Irish Rail there. Um I said on the radio during the week, it was on Today FM, and I said, uh, 
Ireland loves Ed Sheeran loves Ireland and Ireland loves Ed Sheeran and said this is a truism that we must accept however it seems like maybe not I mean I'm very curious to see if you go on Ticketmaster right now there's lots of tickets available um, he's doing two nights at Croke Park it looks like I don't know what the, the numbers are and I wouldn't want to recklessly speculate but I don't Maybe is it over? Is the love affair over? I mean, I assume he's going to play some massive crowds over the course of these shows, but it looks like he may have bitten off more than he can chew. Maybe. Yeah, um, I don't think he quite has the crossover appeal that certain acts might, or that you might expect him to. Like, he feels very much like a, an isolated chart concern. And if you're like a bit of a fairweather fan, you might be into his songs on the radio, but not really want to go to see the whole show. It's not a Garth Brooks thing. It's not even in the same league, I don't think. It's just the kind of, I don't know. It's never really felt like he's. He, there's been a moment where he's captured like the zeitgeist or the, the public's imagination. He's just been a constant chart presence, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, I, mean I don't know. I mean, like, his songs do tend to linger, you know, in that kind yeah. of... That kind of way. Is he, he's still doing the one man against the world, one man in a loop pedal and the guitar against oh, yeah. the world thing, is he? So, wow, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. he must no absolutely band. rake it in. Even if he <laughs> only half sells out these <laughs> venues, he's got no one to pay. A lighting guy, one tech guy and his manager. Yeah, and the support dream hope as well. But, um, well, ah, look, you know, Exposure, I mate. See, I guess. I guess. No, I'm we'll sure Ed Sheeran pays his support. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's fair and balanced on the financials. Sure, he said last week on, especially on the show, we posted a clip from Newsnight. He's welcome on. Which, we've he's been defending on. him in recent episodes over his you court case. Him before, didn't you? Years ago. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like a post electric picnic. I think it was like the Monday after an electric picnic or something. So it was kind of like I don't know if I really want to do this. I can't remember. Which album is which at this point? I think it was when Multiply came out and it was one of these, um, like, you've got 15 minutes jobs and he was, like, at the end of a day of press and he was very, very pleasant and didn't say anything of interest whatsoever despite what I was trying to, you know... I was trying all my tricks, Dave, and you know I've got a lot of tricks. <laughs> he does. He's, got, he's, got, he's a magician in that room. It was one of those ones where it was a pleasant chat, and then I was like, I do not have anything interesting for a fucking cover story. Do you know what I mean? I've got so, fucking, it was fine. And, and, so what's the word count there? Two and a half thousand, probably? Three thousand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it turned into kind of a, you know, this is the life kind of, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah, bringing in like... Laura, get Laura Sheeran on the phone to talk about how down to earth he is as a cousin and all that kind of that's, stuff. Oh, that's painful. And like, of course, going into the art department and being like, can you just use Big as much photos. photo space as you want? <laughs> I think I just got flary with my pros. You know, I like doing that. So it, it was is grand, wild though, isn't it? It, was fine. it? it is wild how like 15 minutes with one act can get you like a 4,000 word piece, but an hour with another can yield. You're like, oh, what the fuck am I going to do? I like, know, I've nothing. I'm just thinking, surely, Dave, your angle without having to go to a show would be to get onto the people that are building his mausoleum on the grounds you're fucking, of his You're state. so obsessed with the I mausoleum. Am. I want a piece about the mausoleum. I'm okay. fascinated. Ed, come right. on the show. Let's chat up again. Star, 15 minutes is all I need. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I just kind of feel, yeah. I mean, uh, Sonic Architect Adam makes a valid point here. He says, the real expose here is the shortcuts that Craig took in Hot Press. I saw many of those, but he also taught me everything <laughs> I know, but not everything he knows, of course. Anyway, look, we'll see yeah. what happens next week. We'll see if I even get to the show. It could happen. It might not, but we'll see. Um, up next, Liam Payne with the big explain. We, of course, discussed a few weeks ago. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> One Direction sensation Liam Payne was interviewed on Good Morning Britain 
after the Will Smith slap incident, in which he was um, loquacious, you could say. And it sounded very weird, Craig, as well. Um, and people were speculating, you know, is he hammered? Turns out he was. So he's talked about it. He uh, went rest, on Instagram. Yeah. He went on Instagram. <laughs> what? <laughs> he what was that? He went on Instagram Live and said, I, I'm good at accents. I pride myself on them. I just wish I could sometimes do my own. Uh, he said it was quite funny. I had asked the Good Morning Britain presenter, please don't ask me too much because I've had a lot to drink and I'm underly educated about the Oscars. And the very first question I was asked was, what do you think about Will Smith? Now, can you imagine being put on the spot in that moment and knowing I can't say anything wrong because I'm going to upset somebody? I just did the best I could. I actually read back what I said and I stand by it. I'm just <laughs> sorry it came out in so many accents, he said. Now, his explanation for the strange concoction of accents was yeah. that he was staying in a house with two German people, three people from Texas, one person from Liverpool and me. So he was staying in a house with himself and he thinks that could have played a part. He said, it sounded like one of those jokes people say about an Irishman and an Englishman going into a pub. Nice 80s humour there. Uh, and that's what came out. So what can I say? But it was funny, wasn't it? He's staying in an Airbnb when he goes over to the Oscars. Or <laughs> a hostel or something. And then he said, oh, and don't have so many drinks and address the country. We're addressing <laughs> the country. State of the nation from Lean Pain. <laughs> can I just say, I've watched that clip nearly every day <laughs> since it hit the internet. <laughs> I think serious? it's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It brings me such joy. Oh, and you know what? what? Like, if he was that out of it, he did kind of all right. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Should we play it again? Oh my God, it's so good. Will's greatest emotive. Let's play it again. It's been a couple of weeks. Let's play it again. And to be honest with you, Will, Will Smith actually used to live behind my house. I've, I've had the pleasure of knowing his son and his daughter very well, and we did Men in Black 3 with him. Um, I believe whatever he felt that he did, he had the right to do. I also felt there were three losers in one fight. He didn't know, being Chris Rock. He didn't want to do what he had to do, being Will Smith. And she did nothing, being Jada. And it's a very sad thing, but there was a powerful moment for me to sit and watch one of the world's best emotors in the ever we've seen speak from the heart. And I would rather take the beauty out of the situation than take the pain. Um, but I had to leave my chair, I'll be honest with you. It, it, it cut me really deep. And I don't, I don't get deep about these things, but I'm a big, I'm a big movie fan, I'll be honest with you. And. Um, out of a horrible moment, there was a little bit of beauty in what came on. And I'm sure everyone's very apologetic about what happened. It shouldn't have happened. Um, but ask yourself, what would you do in the same situation? I don't know how we'd all react. We're all very human, right? What's your favourite part? I think mine probably is or has become, we did Men in Black 3 together, which I don't think is a thing. So shout out to friends yeah, of the show, Mark... I, I didn't show, see Men in Black 3. No, so. neither did I. But a okay. um, friend of the show, Mark Conroy, raised this issue. And he was like, I don't think that they did anything. He said they went to the premiere. And he goes, I think that's it. And I looked it up. And they're at the premiere with like squirt guns. They're all very young and adorable. But you would have thought, oh yeah, we did Men in Black 3 together. Presumably with some shit One Direction tie-in song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There Our cameo. No, apparently there, there isn't that There was part of the promo either. cycle. They were just at the premiere. The manager just got them tickets to the press. I don't think there was anything beyond. Like when he says, so when he says we did men, that's like me saying, you know, I did the Orti Choice Music Prize that year when I went to it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the bigger connection for me and probably my favourite bit is the um, Will Smith used to live behind my house. <laughs> like he's sticking a dump or something. Do you know what I mean? 
Oscar the Grouch, yeah. Yeah. The Chris Rock thing as well is just like, so clearly just him shoehorning in, we've sold out Madison Square Garden. And the looks to camera, it's all the looks to camera of like, that's when he's in like man of the people mode. Like he's addressing breakfast television (laughs) background. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, oh, I know guys, it's crazy. I don't believe it myself. I'm just one of you guys. He's sensational. The second part of the clip there that we didn't play, he does, he he mentions how like he had a moment with Chris Rock when he said, when when we sold out Madison Square Garden, that's one direction. And he mentions twice that he's so he's like, well, we sell that Madison Square Garden. Um, but yeah, it was very think, illusory, I think, is the term he, he used. Do you think uh, fair play to him for fronting up here? Do you want more of this? I think we should like make him a roving reporter at these kind of events, don't you? Yeah, yeah, no, I, was, I think fair play to him. I, I, he's now my favourite member of One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he seems very good-natured in the clip. Um, do you reckon he had prepped in his head that there was three losers thing? Because that seems like, as he's saying it, he thinks this is incredibly smart, what I'm saying oh, it here. Like, it sounds like something that his $1,000 a month therapist would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he just worked that in. Um, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I laugh when he Craig. laughs. I cry when he cries. <laughs> the world's greatest, well, world's greatest emotion. Greatest emotion. Will Smith. <laughs> I don't think so. He's fine, but no, I don't know. Anyway, look, you could say um, he's a bit of a likely lad, is uh, oh, Liam Payne. Which is coincidental in a way, because that's the title of uh, Pete Doherty's upcoming autobiography. Oh my God, a memoir that he's making. It's called A Likely Lad. It's coming out on the 16th of June, just in time for Craig's birthday, everybody. Yes, I yes. I assume you will, in fact, be reading this. Much like when I said, I'll read Stuart Brightweight's book, and you kind of quipped that you think, yes, of course I will. I think you'll be reading this book. Maybe we'll we'll both do that, and then we'll swap over and review in kind and see hey, how we, we get could on. Start, um, we could always start a No Encore book club. Oh, that could be interesting, actually. That actually sure. could be interesting. Um, this might be interesting. I mean, he's led an interesting life. I wonder if we got a chapter on, like, the big breakfast he ate. That'd be sensational. Um, decent writer, I mean. <laughs> Sorry, Adam know? has already come up with a name for our book club. No bookmark. No bookmark. bookmark. <laughs> it's very good. Very good. very good. Oh, we have to do it now. Uh, can um, you tell us what this book is about, Craig, beyond the obvious? Um, beyond the obvious. Well, like, what's he going to be talking about in particular? What's the... Okay, well, here's a synopsis for you. Doherty's version of the story, The Genuine Man Behind the Fame and Infamy. This is a rock memoir like no other. In A Likely Lad, Doherty explores his darkest moments. With astonishing frankness and his trademark wit and humour, he takes us inside decadent parties, substance-fueled nights, prison and self-destruction. Doherty also reflects on the turbulent relationships with various significant people in his life across the years. But he also goes on to discuss poetry, Paris, philosophy, politics, the music business, and his key influences from Hancock to Baudelaire, which is great. Uh, I want more of that, to be honest. I want like a book of Peter Hardy essays, because he's a smart guy. And we kind of read all the tabloidy bits. Um, and the thing is, if we're getting his, like, you know, from his point of view take, he's, he's a character that's always been liable to embellish and create his own myth. So I don't think we're actually going to get the unvarnished truth here. We'll just get more myth building. Uh, I actually read a Libertine's book years ago, Bound Together, I believe it's called. Anthony Torn wrote it. It was actually brilliant. It was really good. It's probably out about 15 years at this point, but their story was so incredible and it was really well written. So that's worth seeking out uh, like an objective take on the band. Let me ask you this question. If you found yourself in a position, as many a rock writer once has or can do, and someone said, hey, Craig, write a book about the Libertines. Is that something that you would like to do? I just think there's been such exposure of them at this point that it's like, what's the angle? What's the hook? What's the yeah. news? Yeah, just they've always had their like dirty laundry out there from the get-go. So I don't know if there's a fresh take. 
I don't know. What do you reckon? Is there anyone you'd like to write? About? Is there anyone you think hasn't been served like proper justice as a kind of intriguing artist or band? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to go to the people I like, like a Nine Inch Nails or a Slipknot, etc. It's all about access, though, isn't it? It I mean, totally like, is, I, yeah. I Like, time and access, the two things you can never really get, particularly if you're on this side of the world. I mean, American journalists are always going to be ahead of you there, and, you know, they're the kind of places to go. Uh, I read a great Pearl Jam book years ago called Five Against One. I think it was written by a Rolling Stone writer, and I think, you know, she really captured... Uh, the kind of acrimony in the band, like, I mean, and just like how ugly some of the stuff could be and how much of a prick Eddie Vedder was during the 90s and that kind of stuff. So, mm. but again, a lot of that came down to access and like, you know, it, it being a different time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll come back to you on like who I, who hasn't been or who I would love to kind of, I, I just think it, it'd be nice to have those kind of romantic days of going on the road with a band and like coming up with some original stuff out of it as opposed to just here's a biography. But I guess if Pete Doherty's doing his own one, well, that is, a, I'm sure, by itself interesting to you. I mean, it sounds like these are going to be essays, probably just compiled into, you know, things called uh, chapters, Craig. <laughs> Intriguing. <laughs> He's quite a revolutionary. Well, um, a revolution of a of a different kind is happening. One that we're not too happy about, I would imagine. So uh, next week on the show, uh, we have the choice between reviewing the new album from Fontaine's DC or the new album from Pushy T. And I think Craig and I are going to go with the Pushy T album. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should do a poll and um, then ignore the results when invariably people pick Fontaine's DC. Uh, uh, Both acts have albums out as of this podcast being out. And Pushy T's album is his first album in four years. It's called It's Almost Dry. It's significant for a whole bunch of reasons. uh, One of which being that one of the tracks on the record contains Kanye West and Kid Cudi together who, of course, have worked together as Kids See Ghosts. Anyone who's listened to the show for a long enough length of time will know how much that album had an effect on me and continues to. I think it's a a beautiful piece of work. I think it's a masterpiece, and I think it really, really helped me out and many others with my mental health. So it is, of course, distressing and upsetting to see that in the interim, Kanye West and Kid Cudi have fallen out again. seems to stem from Kanye's horrendous behaviour with regards to Pete Davidson, and Kim Kardashian's relationship, Kid Cudi is friends with Pete Davidson, etc., etc. But when I saw the track listing for this album during the week and I saw that Kid Cudi and Kanye West were on a track together, I was like, oh my God, Pushy T, he did it. He brought them back together. And then I thought, I wonder if in a couple of hours Kid Cudi might put out a statement being like, that's the last you'll hear of me doing that. And sure enough, Craig, that's yeah. what he did. How do you feel about all this? Um, I'm just kind of naively... I don't know if it's naive, actually. I think it might be from experience um, of being a fan of these guys for many, many years. I'm thinking this will be a passing thing. They've had their fallings out. I think every four or five years they will have a major falling out and then things seem to be fine after a while. So, I mean, this doesn't seem to be based on stuff that's any more particularly needly or outlandish and previous kind of falling outs or, or personal that they've had. It's kind of to do with people within their circle. It's not kind of direct. Um, and actually, I'll read out Cuddy's statement now. And even some of the language in it 
strikes me as someone talking about not being friends with someone that is definitely their friend. <laughs> They're just annoyed with them. So he says, um, hey, so I know some of you heard about the song I got with Pusha. I did this song a year ago when I was still cool with Kanye. I am not cool with that man. He's not my friend. And I only cleared this song for Pusha because that's my guy. This is the last song you will hear me on with Kanye. I think it's the, he's not my friend. <laughs> that stood out to me as like, these guys are going to be friends, our it's, enemies until the day they die. Like, yeah. It's, it's extremely Extremely friendship ended yes. with Kanye West. <laughs> now Pusha T, Pusha T is, T my, is yeah. my best friend. <laughs> like, but no, I hope they can sort it out. Um, and I obviously hope Kanye overcomes the current problems that he's obviously struggling with. But yeah, it's just, I mean, like like I say, I mean, like their union as musicians means so much to me and, and to so many uh, that it, it is genuinely hard to take. I mean, like. How often do you get excited about a featured artist popping up to a to a real degree? And this yeah. one was like, oh man, that it made my day. And then two hours later, I was crestfallen. Yeah, I mean, Cuddy did say previously um, when he was dropped from Donda Two, "Too bad I don't want to be on your album, you fucking dinosaur." Aha! Everyone knows I've been the best thing about your album since I met you. So, I mean, yeah, he's been a I very lo- good thing on those albums. They'll be I fine. Love, They'll be fine. I love Cuddy, but like you know, even like, uh, did you watch that Amazon Prime documentary about him? No, still haven't got around to it, and still haven't completed the Kanye one either. Jeez, I need to catch up. I actually haven't even started the Kanye one, but the Cuddy one, which is called a man named Scott, it's very good, but it's definitely a hagiography hey because it's like he's he's on it, he worked on it, and like yeah. you know, there's parts where it's like you know maybe a little bit too much credit is being given, but like I'm fine with that. You know, I, I do like him quite a bit, though. But I should say as well, I watched um, I watched this new horror film during the week called X. And it's a bit like... It looks uh, good. I've seen the trailer, yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Um, oh, is it so, not? I like the nah, premise. Nah, Damn it. The premise is a uh, film crew that are shooting a porn movie go to this abandoned or kind of old ranch out in the middle of nowhere, set in the 70s, I believe. Very Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes, knowingly so. And yeah, it, it starts off okay, but by the end of it, I thought it was kind of redundant and not great. But um, Kid Cudi's in it, and there's a moment in the film, and I'm watching this like, it was like last Friday night or so, and I was absolutely fucking shattered from like just an intensely long, busy week. And I'm watching this movie, and about halfway through it, there's a moment where the cast kind of gather in this cabin, and Kid Cudi pulls out an, an acoustic guitar, and he starts playing... Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, a.k.a. the song that my father passed away to. And I'm sitting there being like, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe, I can't believe this is happening. I was like, you got to be joking me. And thankfully, uh, the actress Brittany Snow was the person who sang, because I don't think I could have handled Kid Cudi's, Kid Cudi's voice Landslide. doing that. Jesus <laughs> Christ, that would have been, this is a simulation moment. You know uh, I, mean? <laughs> and I, I am I am ascending to heaven. But yeah, look, I want the best for Cudi, want the best for Kanye. Very excited about the Push T album. How are you feeling about it? I'm very excited as well. It's been too long. Um, I'm working at 7am tomorrow morning and I'm listening to it immediately. Fuck I'm sticking Ireland. on at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder will our reviews be slightly biased. I, who knows which way it's going to go. I believe half of it's produced exclusively by Kanye. And the other um, half by Pharrell, I believe. Okay, so... Yeah. I mean, the singles so far have been very, very good. So we'll they see, have. we'll see. Terrible Jay-Z verse and all. Um, okay, right. So uh, <laughs> also on the bold step this week, Craig, Slipknot, my beloved Slipknot, they have partnered with a virtual gaming world called The Sandbox to launch yes, yes. Notverse, which is billed as a fully immersive space to host Web3 experiences curated by Slipknot and their NotFest brand. Now, listen, when I found this story first, right, my 
snap headline for the running order was, hey, at least it's not an NFT. Then reading down further, <laughs> this There's line NFTs. says, yeah. establishing a one-of-a-kind meeting place for heavy music culture in the metaverse, Notverse will host an array of Web3 experiences such as unique NFTs, generative collections, metaverse concerts, gaming, fan and festival experiences, unique collaborations, merchandise, new music and real-life events, which is the last thing on the list there, because it doesn't really fucking matter, I suppose. Um... It's set in this virtual world. It will inherit Nothus's dark carnival team and integrate more than 20 years of Slipknot themes and imagery, yada, yada, yada. Slipknot themselves have said, you know, weird things about it. Clown has said, when I started playing Quake online in 1999, Summertime for Humanity. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, online, yeah. And, and, and Minecraft in 2011. 2011, it was another level. But at the time, I couldn't have Sid scratching next to me. I couldn't offer visual art to fans. All I could do together was play the game. But little ideas like that are not only possible now, they barely scratch the surface. We are listening, we are watching, and we're going where our fans are leading us. And if you don't understand or you're worried, know that we're going to help bring our fans along. We're getting in this for all of us, with all of us, and we can't wait for you to see what we have coming up. Now, as you know, Craig, I'm a fucking diehard Slipknot fan. I'm hoping yeah. to even see them live in, a, in, a, in about a month's time. My heart is heavy. I don't like this one bit. Is it the NFT thing drawing you, or do you just think the whole thing reads the entire too thing, cynical? The entire fucking thing. But like, like, and I do wonder. I'm like, I catch myself there, and I'm like, am I am I an old man if I'm not down with this kind of thing? But I, it, it just strikes me as very Web 2.0. Strikes me as very Y2K. It just strikes I don't me think as yeah, the technology is quite there yet. Like anytime you see any of the metaverse stuff, it just looks like the worst computer generated nonsense that you would not want to be involved in. I don't know how this is going to be any different. Um, I'm wondering like. Like, insane clown posse have got to be thinking, Dark Carnival team, <laughs> virtual world, <laughs> there should be a juggle over us. They, they missed their opportunity here. Or maybe it's just the start of the opportunity. I think that's the way to go for the juggalos that yeah, uh, live in a virtual be. world, but Slipknot, maybe not. Craig, you work in advertising, get them on the blower, you know? Uh, Have uh, a yeah. chat. I do like Notverse. Do you? As a name. Yeah, it's pretty good. Do you remember you were going to go on that cruise? So you were, it was potentially <laughs> going to be something along those I lines. I was trying to go on the cruise and then the PR were like, we're not giving any passes to journalists, cough up the two grand or whatever it was. And then COVID happened. So What no, was the, the cruise, cruise called? It was just called the Slipknot Cruise. I okay. think. I so they I didn't have it. like a, a not yacht now because that would have oh. been, that's right there. Oh, <laughs> that's, right that's there. good. They can have that. Not yacht. <laughs> okay. Uh, and finally, folks, um, a good new metal story. Sh- uh, we'll have one of those, shall we? Sure. John Otto, the drummer from Limp Bizkit. Uh, you know, John Otto, take him to the Matthews Bridge, or whatever the fuck that line is. It's the only note I have on this story is that line uh, written out on a patch. <laughs> well, sorry for stepping all over you there. Um, his, uh, he, um, he's on a new show. He's on a reality show alongside his 11-year-old daughter, Ava. They're contestants on the show called Come Dance With Me. Premiered last week, 12 teams made up of one young dancer and one untrained family member duke it out for a $100,000 prize. So John Otto's on this TV show dancing with his daughter. All very cute. He said, I just tried to keep one foot in front of the other. I was just worried about not trying to embarrass her, let alone myself. I already embarrassed myself. That seems Weird sweet. dig at his band that he's still in. Um, I should, I, you know, maybe there's time for one last quick news story. Because Sonic oh, is, that, is he taking Adam, a dig at Limp Bizkit? I think he is. I mean, it seemed that way. I already embarrassed myself. But he's, yeah, he's maybe still in, he's still in the band. I mean, like maybe he. I don't know. I mean, if your reading. dad was really good mates with Fred Durst, you know, you'd be a bit like, oh, Japers. Yeah, maybe. Do you reckon he's actually struck me 
and based on nothing because I haven't done that much reading about Limp Bizkit, but as one of those, you know, the way sometimes you see like people in bands and you you just think they don't listen to their music when they're in their downtime. <laughs> they wouldn't enjoy this band's music. You know, that kind of Charlie Watts thing of like, Charlie Watts yeah. is clearly like looking down on the Rolling Stones music and listening to jazz records. <laughs> well, he's, he's just kind of just been the drummer of Limp Bizkit for a while. Yeah. He's never stood out in the way Wes Borland has. And also their bassist, Sam Rivers, was definitely once nominated for an Ivor Novello Award. So, you know, oh. this... Uh, it's a big one. there. Uh, we do have time for one last story because Sonic Architect Adam has rightly pointed out that we should mention there was a big album announcement this week, Craig. Who was it? Kendrick Lamar. It's been five... It's been... <laughs> five years. Um, I don't have any details in front of me, but it's very exciting. We're getting it in it's May, right? May the 13th. It's called Mr. Morrell Mr. Morrell and the Big Steppers. And he put out like one that. of those kind of like... Uh, I like that. I like that. It was like one of the kind of legal letter type things like Michael Jordan announcing I'm back. It was very similar to that. So it's coming. It's the last album on Top Dog Entertainment. No track listing, no other details, but it's out in fucking three weeks. So wild times. Yeah, it's long overdue. Five years since Dam. Nation and he hasn't, never it's happened, not like of he's course. Been, yeah, it's not like he's been dropping a lot of stuff. I have no clue as to what direction he's going with this thing. Yeah, Nation was... Can't believe that never happened. Yeah, we we um, had genuine discussions at the time. Dam came out being like, "Are we getting another one? It's right there." Yeah. <laughs> Damnation! Christ, it's right there. Christ died on the Friday and rose again on the Sunday. That's clearly what he's playing with. We're getting a second album. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. But um, Dam holds up five years on. I think. Yeah, it's the one. It's the Kendrick Lamar record I go back to the most. I think just very, very playable. Yeah, I would like that again. I would like a very, very playable album. I don't want something too dense. I want just straight up fucking bangers, if possible. But uh, yeah, no master, no political masterpieces, Kendrick. We don't want to know. <laughs> don't change the world. <laughs> just give me some hits, okay? Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'm sure we'll be reviewing that when it happens, though. So in the meantime, no album to review this week. It is top five time, though. It's top five parody songs. Um, what inspired this, you ask? Uh, I'll tell you. It'll be my number five when I get to it in a second, because it would just be easier that way. But um, yeah, it, it's a genre, Craig. Is it a respected genre? Is it taken seriously? Should it be taken seriously? I mean, like, I mean, you could look at, say, the rise of Michael Fry, friend of the show in recent yes. times. He's kind of made it his kind of niche, I think, on Twitter. That Liam Payne one is tremendous. It's like... Tell it's the listener fair- what that's all about if they don't know. Michael Fry essentially um, started his own one-man virtual indie rock band and what he will do is write original songs in various styles and the lyrics consist of essentially memes, video clips, kind of things that are very zeitgeisty and some of them are absolutely genius. But um, yeah, he's got a lot of mileage out of him. But the Liam, check out the Liam Payne one, it's sensational. Yeah, he's a sharp boy, he's a friend of the show and we must actually get him back on, he's been on before. Um, but... In the meantime, I'm going to set the tone with something a little bit different. Um, this isn't a parody song, but I think it will set the tone. So um, Adam and Joe, famous internet comedians, of course, radio radio boys, TV lads. Uh, here's Adam and Joe discussing Jules Holland and giving us uh, an earful of what they think he sounds like. <laughs> he gets a little bit drunk. No, he's too professional. No, he's too professional. He's just, that's his thing, man. He's not drunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. He's definitely not drunk. He might have a little uh, flute of champagne at the Hootenanny. Yeah. But the rest of the time, definitely. I think every day's a Hootenanny. <laughs> for Jules. <laughs> for Jules. Wake up. It's a uh, 24-7 Hootenanny. Bit of boogie woogie. Ah, oh, Hootenanny. <laughs> <laughs> again. Not again. All right. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, 
<laughs> I'm gonna have some breakfast at the bridge, wonderful bacon eggs. Mum's just going to the cooker, over here's the cooker. As brilliant as <laughs> over here, I'll have the toaster. I don't know, it's back into the gardens, wonderful flowers from the garden. <laughs> That's him in his kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be there. This is my wife, this is my wife, uh, my children, to get in the car. Brilliant, the car, round of applause for the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you I go. I miss those guys. I miss those guys too. Um, all right, it's top five parody songs, Craig. Would you want to kick us off? I feel like I'm the one kicking us off a lot lately, so why don't you just kick it into gear? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so I've mainly gone for ones that are genuinely funny, at least to my ears. So my number five probably is one that it won't provoke like raucous laughter, but I think it's in there because it's effortless. And I think the problem with a lot of parody songs is it's just, it's ve- it's a very tough thing to pull off because you're looking for something that's like musically accomplished in terms of recreating um, the thing. But then you also have to like crowbar in quirky lyrics and it's like it's kind of like putting together a funny limerick like the constraints just make it feel like there's a lot of grasping for like puns and like it comes off a bit desperate this one doesn't as i say because it's so effortless so confident that it makes me doubt my own musical taste here it is oh my brother That train car Where the mountains Meet the sky And I drink whiskey When I'm not drinking right Yeah, Father John Misty Um <laughs> Prius commercial number one. I'm disappointed it's the only one we've got so far. Um, I think Parody Songs was on the table when we recently reviewed Father John Misty just because because of stuff like this. Um, this is from about six years ago now and it's it's when he was moving into the pure comedy era and like getting quite high-minded, I guess, and like sincere with a smirk and like talking about the state of the world. And he was just, you know, trying out these, these Lucys and these demos and... Um, of like, there, there was this and there was like generic pop song number 16, generic pop song 33. And he also did, I think slightly prior to this, he'd done the, he'd covered Ryan Adams' cover of Welcome to New York, the Taylor Swift song, as a way of kind of, you know, poking fun at how earnest that and, you know, ridiculous that Ryan Adams thing was. Um, and doing it in the style of Lou Reed perfectly, which was sensational. So this is him in peak, like, Father John Misty, oh, I've got something to say, and, like, I'm still on social media. Um, And the problem with this song is that it's too good. (laughs) I really enjoy it, and it makes me think, oh, because he's taking the piss. (laughs) And, um, yeah, like, it's very... I, I guess like it sounds to me like it's a lost kind of Springsteen-y song. Like when <laughs> Springsteen is most in touch with his feminine side. Um, it also it sounds prob- like, sorry, it sounds like if Jeremy Renner wrote this, he would think it was the greatest song of all time. Yeah, and would he be wrong? <laughs> um, and <laughs> also, like, very, yeah, that's true. Very much rubs shoulders with, like, the likes of the Lumineers, and that's, like, the whole kind of piss take <laughs> is that thing of just, like, 
Like at the very end, he just goes, did I mention, hey, <laughs> it's like fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's worth checking out on YouTube as well, because someone has paired it with like Prius um, footage, like an, oh, like a commercial. <laughs> and it's perfect. perfect. Like yeah, It looks like it, it should yeah. be an ad. So, like yeah. It's just like all these like, like, you know, well-off tech families that they're going to like, <laughs> they're Prius, like, you know, protecting the environment and this song about like, Wanting to work on a tenant farm and drinking whiskey and rye. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear, you can see like the car and like you're like, the new Prius available now at your local. Yeah, it's just very fucking. Yeah. Man. And the, the, the problem it. with it is that like, and it's actually, it sounds a lot like when Ryan Adams would be in like his Americana rock mode, like all those Cardinals albums, which I have a soft spot for that sound. So the fact that Father John Misty can just do a knockoff so perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, so what really if is, even is good music? You know, if it's not sincere, is this less wordy than all of the stuff on Pure Comedy because he hasn't spent that much time in lyrics? But I don't know. I don't know. This, this, it's stuff like this that reminds me like when we got the new album and it's a bit kind of tough to grapple with and it's a bit throwbacky and you're like, he could just write an album of these songs and maybe put a bit more effort into lyrics and people would be like, oh, he's back. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's, it's, so, so this is you making the case for the parody as transcendent. This is me, me making the case for music not being as transcendent as it thinks it is. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> it's very, very easy for some people. <laughs> and just because they sound sincere doesn't... It's like when he covers... Um, Basically, all of his covers are pretty great, but like he did The Suburbs a few years ago and this was peak like Arcade Fire becoming a bit of a joke. And it's just his voice is so good that you're like, this now sounds profound and it reminds you how good that song was. And you're just like, yeah, he could just he could just do this trick with anyone. Interesting. Interesting choice, because like all of my five, none of them are like established proper quote-unquote artists right, they're right, all kind right. of like comedians or like people trying to you know and um, with that in mind so w- what inspired me to pick this list this week was um there was a thing doing the rounds on twitter called grunge fraser and it was like if fraser yeah if fraser was a show like uh, in which they discussed grunge and stuff and there was a very brief sting of the opening kind of like did it but 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 it was in like a like a round out guitar thing and I, I went into being like oh my god this is gonna be like you know a, a full-on musical thing and it wasn't quite but it made me think of something else that did the rounds on twitter a few years ago which is just fucking tremendous and here it is here's my number five hey baby i hear the blues are calling toss salads to do so that's an astonishing national piss take there it's the oh. national doing Frasier's opening theme but it's of course not the national it is in fact 
an engineer and composer, uh, Bobby Lord is his name. Uh, he worked, worked, I don't know if he still does, but he certainly worked for the podcast company Gimlet Media. This first surfaced back in 2019, in January of 2019. And I think he put it up on his Twitter and he was like, oh, he's like, those, he's like, those national guys have done it again. And it's just like, <laughs> bang, it was this. I, I think it's it's wonderful. It's such a beautiful underpinning of everything that the national is because it's like it has it has it all. It has like just classic woozy Matt Berninger vocals, the driving drums, the lifting yes. guitars. But the bit that breaks me is they're calling again with the washed out vocal reverb and like way up in the mix. It's just like I the lyrics to it. fit really closely <laughs> with like they're they're in the national universe. Do you know what I mean? This could be on Boxer, yeah. Like, Easily, it could be like you know, like, and it could just be called toss salad and scrambled eggs. He'd be like, "Yeah, of course." Um, it's perfect. I've I've listened to it a bunch this week, unironically, and I'm like, "Oh man, if this was an entire song," um, and like it's that it, it's this kind of sincere level of parody when you're you know you're tapping into the exact DNA of what you're doing, which is maybe a bit of a cheat code, but I still think it's really fucking funny without being like I don't see this as mockery per se but it reminds me of you know you picked uh, was it i don't think it was in the top five recently but like remember you had that weird owl thing about devo mark muttersbow yeah just being like <laughs> hating the fact that weird owl nailed um, yeah. devo so perfectly and it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever heard yeah this is similar for me and i have mm. to imagine like the national ads would get a kick out of it it's just so perfectly done like honestly like the epicness of they're calling again and the fuck on it it's oh it's beautiful it's stunning i love it so you're making the case that you know where i was i was saying with the father john misty thing if if just like if it's that easy to parody does it have any real inherent worth you're kind of saying actually there are such well-defined styles that there's something there the substance is there that's why it's able to be parodied so well yeah so, I think this okay. is, you're well, being the optimist I, I, I think it's three which is ironic for a national song but I, <laughs> but, but I think that this is like three-dimensional I think it I think it it's it's it supersedes its own joke and it actually becomes like this is just great to listen to and if if I was at a national gig and I was you know, six points deep and they were playing this I would just think it was one of the old standards you know yeah. Yeah. it's great it's such uh, a good pairing Frasier and the National just goes together so well. You still think yeah. it's the best sitcom of all time, do you? It's my favourite of all time. Oh, okay. God. It's no Seinfeld, baby. It, it's better than Seinfeld. It is not better it's, it's than Seinfeld. It's funnier than Seinfeld. It is not far funnier, funnier than What are you talking about? It's far funnier. Come on, man. Right, I, okay. I watch Seinfeld and I'm like, this is very clever and great. And then I laugh a few times and I sit on Frasier and I just laugh and I laugh. That's my, you're describing my Frasier experience, but why don't you describe your <laughs> my, number four? That's my Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> my number four. Um, we did fictional bands a while ago. It's probably about two years ago at this stage. At the time, I didn't read, I wasn't aware of the work of these guys. At Christmas, um, when I kind of fell down my Beatles rabbit hole because of Get Back, um, I stumbled across this song in particular and... I've kind of been rinsing it quite a bit ever since, unironically. Um, so very much a kind of theme forming here. Here we go.
perfect piss take there of a day in the life and it's transcendent closing E that's the Ruttles with cheese and onions um, which is a bit of a masterpiece I think melodically um, Neil Innes who sadly passed away now he was kind of the the genius behind the Ruttles in terms of the songwriting um they kind of go way back. So he was in parody slash comedy bands in the 60s. He was like mates with the Beatles. Um, he was kind of mates with the Monty Python guys. Um, he eventually ended up just kind of stumbling across this Beatles-y song uh, with one of the other members and suddenly it was just like, it was a sketch. I think it became a, a Python thing or a Python adjacent thing. Eric Idle was involved and they eventually ended up making a kind of mockumentary or rockumentary uh, movie, which is it's essentially proto-Spinal Tap, uh, about six years previous to it. And it is very funny. But the songs are so spot on. <laughs> They're so good. Like this is, the op- you kind of need to hear this in its um, entirety, but it opens with your, like we were um, last week, I think we were given a bit of a ribbing to Imagine, John Lennon. And it opens with like those kind of imagine chords and spot on Lennon impression and the opening lines of I've always taught in the back of my mind, cheese and onions. And it just goes off from there. But like, I think it's, it's such an enjoyable song that it, it essentially creates maybe the best Oasis ballad of all time. Because Oasis have spent their entire career, and actually maybe particularly Liam Gallagher's solo career, any time he he writes a ballad, it is just him trying to be John Lennon. And he gets to, like, maybe a Ruttles B-side. <laughs> like, this would be the best Liam Gallagher song. Um, Liam Gallagher, who, who once said that he was the reincarnation of John Lennon, of course, until Noel was just like, well, there was overlap. Uh, I was there when you were born, and John Lennon was still alive, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which put him in his place. But um, yeah, they're worth checking out. They've loads of songs that are so spot on. Um, the Beatles were very much on board, or George Harrison was anyway. Um, I think he kind of gave them funding and stuff and just kind of, he actually said that it like freed him to kind of let the Beatles go because of the piss take kind of of it. And it was the first time he saw that done well. And it was kind of pricking that balloon of just like the reverence around the Beatles. Um, but there was lots of occasions where like, the thing about these songs are like he doesn't actually copy any of their melodies so they're all like original songs it's just like the vibe which he gets so spot on um but because of that he's had to credit like McCartney and Lennon even though the songs are complete like he say he he said himself like he wouldn't actually listen to the Beatles prior to writing the songs because he wants to come up with new creations and people have gone through it and it's just like yes these might as well just be new Beatles songs just with joke lyrics um incredibly well done um, like some of these songs ended up on like Beatles bootlegs there's been kind of Beatles releases in different markets that have been put out with Ruttle songs on it and he's just like what is happening we're checking out if you haven't watched Ruttles do it it's uh, sensational and this is just a great song in isolation and a great video as well a kind of Yellow Submarine piss take as well so your uh, your first pick there was a callback to an album we reviewed last week and mm. my next pick is a callback to the album that we reviewed the week before Here's my number four.
So back in 2014, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were announced and they're going to play the Super Bowl halftime oh, show. Oh, it's Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jason. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry to anyone who uh, who was really <laughs> stroking their chin for the minute there. Um, they were going to join Bruno Mars at his halftime show back in 2014 or something, and mm-hmm. fucking like, first of all, the stereo gum. Uh, like article about this song coming out it really shows you how internet culture and how we talk about things has changed the opening paragraph of this was the Red Hot Chili Peppers are going to join Bruno Mars at this year's Super Bowl halftime show and this seems like the best reason yet to hope for some sort of Black Sunday situation fuck me Jesus Christ you wouldn't get away with that today um terrorist attack for anyone who was unaware um so this was back all in the, the heady days of january 2014 craig so eight years ago uh this is a song called abracadabra which is very funny of course i mm-hmm. don't actually know for sure who did it um the idea apparently came from an episode of comedy bang bang uh, it was credited to someone called king cyrus king or john daly i'm not entirely sure who it is but there was this fake website made basically yeah. And this song was on it. And it was like, new Chili Pepper song released on this website. And you go to the site, like, and it's so garishly designed. It's like Pepsi logos everywhere. And like the Chili Peppers fucking, you know, the snowflake thing. And, you know, Bruno Mars and blah, 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 blah. All very garish. But um, maybe they're too easy to parody. But I always found that this had a bit of charm to it. And in the second verse, there's a line where it's... um. Uh, the Hulk get green when the rays get gamma, which is fucking incredible. <laughs> There's uh, also a Fraser reference, by the way. There is a Fraser reference. It, it, I think it's um, if you want to get Kramer, you've got to. If you want to get Fraser, you got to get Kramer or something like you that. Got to get Grammar, as in Kelsey Grammar. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Are the chilies too easy to parody? Like, is this is this two fish in a barrel? Um. I mean, 100%. Too easy. It's one thing knowing what they sound like, but then to execute it so perfectly is just a whole different... The way the guitar starts off, though, it's so funny. Like, it's like... (laughs) And again, I think if you're you're at a party and someone's hammered and you threw this on the Shins Garden State style, they'd probably be like, oh, this is class. They've got it. They're back. Do you think this could could sit quite comfortably on Unlimited Love? Absolutely. There's 17 <laughs> tracks on there. Why not have an 18th? Get this one in the middle of it. Would it really derail nice. it, though, is the question. Would it actually be so out of place to stand out as, oh, hang on a minute now. I think if you put some proper production on this, it's going in. Yeah, I mean, it's right It's right there. It do, it's not really a parody. It's just a Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> song. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, okay. For my number three, um, this was maybe the one on the list that I had to do a bit of investigation for. Uh, Other ones were were just like, yeah, yeah, uh, I can jot those down. Um, Because I wanted to get something that was representative of um, this parody writer in particular that we've come to think of quite fondly. Um, So I was listening to a lot of his work. Um, Didn't enjoy all of it but I admire the longevity. You probably already know who it's going to be. This is one that I kept coming back to um, because it's a banger and because I think the subject matter works really well with it. Here we go. Folks, we don't like you're probably gonna be 
Party patron saint of the show now, weird all um, party in the CIA. <laughs> I was taken from Alpocalypse from 2011, I believe, which was a bit of a career high in terms of his chart placing. Um, and he's since had like number one albums. It's incredible that he just keeps going, um, particularly when just with the internet, we are awash in parodies. And yes, um, he's still the king. You got to come at him. Um, you can't miss... <laughs> This, I just love, I think it's the carefree, like, Miley style, yes, after he's talking about executing people. Yeah, it's like, well, it's, it's, it's actually it's a, a complete, very good, yeah. yeah. But it's a complete lift of, it is lifting the melody, it is lifting party in the USA, like it is taking, which is which is a great and song, And that's what he does, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he does. Like, he is just ridiculously faithful to the original songs. Um, he doesn't get any of the original instrumentation, he recreates it, like, painstakingly, um, which is very impressive, and... I mean, it's been going since the early 80s. I think it was um, Beat It, his Beat It parody, Eat It. That was like his big breakthrough. Um, and he had, there was a whole video that went with it that made him like a kind of a superstar overnight. And interestingly enough, the album this was on, like Alpocalypse, there was another track called um, Perform This Way, which was like his uh, Born This Way Lady Gaga parody. And he didn't get sign off on it. And there was a whole controversy around it. And actually it turned out she hadn't, it hadn't crossed her desk or whatever. And she was like, I'm a huge Weird Al fan. Of course I would have signed off on it. And then I was kind of looking into like people that did give sign off or didn't. Prince, for example, was one of the only major names that didn't enjoy the comedy stylings of Weird Al. Everyone else seems to be like, it's such an honour. Um, like Chameleon Air was just like, you know, you made it when, you know, as soon as he did White and Nerdy, I, I knew I was a star. Um, Madonna was like, when Like a Virgin came out, Word got back to Weird Al. It was out, it had been out about six weeks and word got back to Al, Weird Al that she was asking around being like, why hasn't he done Like a Surgeon? <laughs> like, it's right there. So he did Like a Surgeon and that is actually a great one. But I was looking into it and like, he doesn't actually need their permission to release these songs. So he's just that nice a guy that he wants to double check with the artist. Um, and usually, as I say, people are just like, yeah, of course. Um Paul McCartney is one man who has let him do a lot of parodies. There's one example of him refusing, however. We have a little clip here, Adam, if you'd be so kind. I tried to parody Paul McCartney's music, and you had you ran into a bit of a snag with him. Is that right? Well, well I, you know, if everybody goes, always says, like, who's turned you down? They're always looking for the negative stuff. And Paul McCartney, I have to say, I, I love him. He's, you know, he's a great guy, got a great sense of humor. There was one time, this was 20 years ago, I wanted to do a parody of um, uh, Live and Let Die. Right. And my parody... Brilliant idea, chicken pot pie. Chicken Thank pot you. pie. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I was gonna say, yeah. And it's just, it's not you. It's God speaks through you. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, and and Paul didn't want me to do it because he's a strict vegetarian, and what? he didn't he didn't want a parody that condoned the consumption of animal flesh. That was the whole thing. He said, no, you can do anything else you want. You can do like tofu pot pie. <laughs> and I said, well, no. The the chorus of my parody would be. And tofu doesn't make any noise, so it wouldn't right. work. I love that you walked away on these artistic principles. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you gotta draw the line. It's chicken pot pie, or you chicken nothing. So yeah, a good dude, um, and he's got his principles. And it's like clearly most of these songs aren't that funny. Like it's him just willing them to work, which I think I admire the most. Um, like Chicken Pot Pie was never going to be a great song, was it? Eat It, I mean, is that a great... Amish Paradise? <laughs> like, I think they just become funny because he just... It's the self-belief of the man. 
and he just realizes most of them are just inane. There's one, there's a 10 minute one <laughs> called <laughs> Trapped in the Drive Through. Wow. Which is him doing Orkali's Trapped in the Closet. And of course, that was a big joke song. Like it's this kind of um, R&B soap opera that was, Adam and Joe did a great piss take of it at the time. This was prior to all of the kind of or Kelly horror stuff coming out, but it was essentially, yeah, this R&B kind of soap opera and it was completely outlandish and ridiculous. So how would you parody that? So Weird Al just does a 10 minute version where he, all of the lyrics are about this couple going to get dinner, going to get drive through and just having like really, really boring conversations with each other. And it goes on forever. And by the end, you're like so worn down. You're like, ah, the joke kind of works. It's kind of genius. And that's why I like him. I think the inane bravery of Weird Al has got to be respected. Yeah, he's a cult of personality and I don't think it would work if anyone else was doing exactly what he is doing. So, no. you know, kudos to him, I suppose. Uh, for me, a, a satirist of a much different streak at my number three. Okay, we're raving on up now, as the primal screams might say, with a track from the Pixies. And I hope to be interviewing lead singer Jet Black in the nearness of future and asking him what the song's all about. It's called Mother Banger and it's got some rather loud guitars on it. Well, my mother is a whore, let me tell you more. My mother did something to me. When I was 23, she spilled a cup of tea all over my knee. I said, Mother, oh my God, what have you done? She said, Never mind, son, let's have some fun. Your pantaloon is undone, I can see you well hung. And then she Chris Morris there on his radio show, very much um, taking the Pixies apart, I think. Um, I love the Pixies so much. I love the Pixies sound. I love what they do. But he's really nailing the loud, quiet, loud thing there and the kind of arcane lyrics and strange, definitely very kind of fucked up subject matter and Frank Black's ability to kind of go from angel to devil in the in, in the blink of an eye. Um, it's weird. The Pixies, I think, should almost be like sacred territory to never take the piss out of. And yet he did it quite well, didn't he? But this was Chris Morris's whole thing, right? It was just... Yeah, his nothing is sacred. Egg. Exactly, yeah. So that's Mother Banger, this, by the way, the song in question. I don't think I'd heard this before. It is like brought back memories of listening to Surfer Rosa when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely nailed it. Um, another example of just such a defined aesthetic and universe that like you can just dip in and yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, again, like, at what point does it become, has your job been done for you? Which I will discuss again further in my top five. But, like, Pixie Sound is just so, I mean, I hesitate to say it. it's so unique because I'm sure, like, can anything be truly, truly unique? But the Pixies was just, hearing that, especially when I was younger, like, because my, my brother and my sister were really, really into them. And, like, you'd hear, and I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Especially yeah. before I really kind of, you know, garnered an appreciation for different kinds of music, experimental music, etc., but they really were a lawn to themselves for such a for such a time. And like they're still revered and they're still, you know, but a new Pixies album drops tomorrow and I'm probably gonna take a long time to get to it. But the classics are the classics, and I guess this style was maybe it's ripe for parody, like maybe it is it's almost begging to be taken off because even in the you know, the kind of the chameleonaire weird owl thing there, maybe it's well, they've established such a unique kind of path of their own that you must be lampooned. I don't know. Maybe they appreciated yeah. it. 
I don't think you can create this without being a massive fan of them. Do you know what I mean? Because Probably, it's just so yeah. spot on that you've listened a lot. You haven't just ha- given a passing listen to the Pixies and thought, oh, this is like... Oh, it's constructive. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah. He did the Pet Shop um, Boys one as well, which is pretty funny. Chris Morris, everybody. Look him up. <laughs> he is great. <laughs> He's going to go far. Speak- Speaking of great, here's my number two. We picked almost the same clip and everything. I know, I know. I, I don't think you got in the shopping cart escalator, did you? No, I didn't, <laughs> no. It was hard to nail it down to just one concise minute. But yeah, I uh, know, I know. Every style of Chili's as well combined in one song, <laughs> which they do in a lot of their singles. So it's spot on. <laughs> um, yeah, as you said, John Daly and um, Cyrus Garamani. Um, and yeah, it was from Comedy Bang Bang. I thought for years that it was Scott Ackerman, like who'd written it because he does Comedy Bang Bang, but it just happened on his show. Um, big fan of You Talking You Too to Me, which is a podcast he does with Adam Scott, or You Talking R.E.M. Me, which is a podcast he does with Adam Scott, and You Talking Talking Heads to My Talking Head, which is another podcast he does with Adam Scott. But that last one initially started as a Red Hot Chili Peppers one, and they abandoned it midway through their first episode because the, the early Chili Peppers albums were so bad <laughs> they're just like we can't sit through <laughs> this entire discography um so they bailed which was probably wise um but i think they also wisely honed in on the great comedic value of her chili peppers and you know just like this song does i, I went on to just to add something that maybe you didn't because you, you covered it pretty comprehensively but oh, i have nothing I to did, add trust me I, <laughs> well, I went on to the red hot chili peppers subreddit because i was just intrigued of like <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake do you know what I mean? What Just to, to see to. if, like, how does a how does a fan base react to? Because I'd I'd been on it previously, um, when the album came out, just to see, like, if they were defending the band, and of course, they were just like all the bad review, like the Eamon Sweeney review was on the subreddit, and they were like, Excellent. "This guy doesn't know what he's talking about," you know, the usual. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought they teared this apart, right? <laughs> and the comments um, under the Peppermans Abracadabra California um, range from, I actually prefer this to Black Summer. <laughs> Gritted <Grizzled> emoji <laughs> to people just being like, "Is it wrong that I keep listening to this?" It was just universally people being like, "This is excellent." Um, <laughs> and one of the, the the comments just out there um, in the wild when it was released was someone just going like, "It's actually really, really upsetting that like you know you hear such a brilliant kind of flea." Let me just try and find a thing. Uh, oh yeah, this was one of the tweets, right? So this was someone that actually thought it was a real Chili Pepper song. It's heartbreaking to hear Flea expertly delivering this awesome bass line over these awful lyrics. 
<laughs> and I just thought that could be our review for the last album. <laughs> so they nailed it. Yeah, in summary. Wow. Nice. Very nice. Happy to hear it again. Uh, number two for me, at the top of the top five, we, we heard from Adam and Joe. They've been mentioned again since. And let's have them again, or rather one of them. This is Adam Buxton. It's taken from a sketch show he had on BBC Three called Rush Hour back in 2007. So picture the scene. Adam Buxton is playing the character of what appears to be a very cool dad. He's in the car with his wife and the son is in the back of the car and he decides to take over the radio. And here's how that goes. So, what day is it today, Jasper? Tuesday. Wrong. It's NWA day. No, no, absolutely not. It's all right. I've got it under control. Help the police coming straight from the underground. A young chap's got it good because I'm brown. And not the other colour, so police think they have the authority to carry out inquiries. I don't mind because I ain't the one for an excellent policeman with, with a badge and a gun to be reasonably arresting. And so in jail, we can go toe-to-toe in the middle of a cell. Having lost a fun because I'm a teenager with a little bit of gold and a pager. Searching my car, looking for the biscuits, thinking every chap is saying it's a chocolate. You rather see me writing with a pen than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. Go swimming with Lorenzo. And when I finish, bring me yellow tape to tape off the scene of the sack race. Thank you very much for the bread and water. I don't know if they naughty or what. Such a chap down and grabbing his hat. And on the other hand, without a hat, they can't get none. But don't let it be a black and a white one. Cause they'll tickle you until you're giggling. Black police having fun with a white cop. Ice Cube will entertain all the local bobbies in a blue uniform. Just cause I'm from the CPT. Nice police are nice to me. Huh? Adam Buxton there with Help the Police. Uh, in, w- in which he's playing it off his iPod while continually like grabbing the volume, turning all the way down and back up, timing it perfectly. I think my two favourite bits are when he's like, to carry out inquiries. And then later, yeah. the, like the payoff of nice police are nice to me. It's fucking great. <laughs> Um, he said that it took him three days to to get it right, I think, in terms of just learning it and trying to make it work. Um, Adam and Joe, imagine. you'd miss them. Um, I thought this no. was very funny. And again, also a reminder that, you know, the NWA originally is a fucking incredible song, but uh, it worked. I thought it was inventive, you know? I thought it was like, doing something a bit different with the form. And like, even the way like he's dressed in the in the clip, like he's like, you know, very cool looking young dad who kind of can't let it go. Uh, and like the kid is completely fed up in the background and is having absolutely none of it, which is fucking great. Yeah, it's Peak Buxton. It's really good. Peak um, Buxton, you say? <laughs> Peak Buxton. Um, uh, yes, fantastic. I missed them as well. They still do their like Christmas episode, which I always listen to. And I think the last couple of years, they usually, they used to give each other like gifts, Christmas gifts. And the last couple of years with COVID, they've just written each other songs. So they're worth so checking out. So what exactly happened? I mean, like, obviously, Joe Cornish went off to make movies, including, like, Attack Big-time Block. director, yeah, yeah, essentially. And then Adam Buxton's just touring comedian, I guess. And does he still have a radio show, his own, his own podcast is absolutely podcast. massive, I think, at this yes, point. He yeah, he does it, yeah. but he does more, like, long-form interviews and conversations now. Um, which I've listened to a few of them, and they're very good, but it's not the Adam and Joe show, do you know what I mean? It's just no. a completely different but thing. The Adam but and Joe show was also, yeah, Adam and Joe show was also such a wonderful product of its time. If yeah. like, you know, one of those dangerous late night Channel 4 shows in the 90s that you just fucking, you taped on your VHS players, you know? No, I know. Better different days. Times, different times. Different times. Speaking of products of their time, probably the same time. Um, here's my number one. What is wrong with the world today? Hey, you gotta think about it. Think, think about it. Good cops been framed and put into a can and all the money that we're making is going. 
makes a man a man? Am I a man? Yes, technically I am. They're turning kids into slaves just to make cheaper sneakers. But what's the real cost? Cause the sneakers don't seem that much cheaper. Why we still paying so much for sneakers when you got them made by little slaves? Uh, Flight of the Concords, number one with a bullet. Um, think about it, which is the Marvin Gaye spectacular, of course. Uh, New Zealand's fourth most popular guitar-based digibongo acapella rap funk comedy folk duo. Yeah, so they did two seasons of Flight of the Concords, and I think two was probably enough. The first is absolutely spectacular. I think probably because they had the songs and the parodies good to go before they got the show, so they could just kind of weave the narrative around it, and the songs were all spectacularly good um this one is is top of the bunch for me but it it was it was tough it was either going to be this or their own pet shop boys um parody inner city pressure which is sensational it's just so on point um like i think that kind of those slightly you know um socially conscious piss takes that they did were really really good by the second season i think they were trying to write songs on the fly and they've talked themselves about, like, they asked their agents just not to tell them about any offers for a third season because they were just riding around the clock and trying to make it work, and it was extremely stressful. Um, so they've kind of gone their separate ways as well. It's a bit of a similar story in terms of... Um, Jermaine Clements has, like, a lot of success, I guess. Um, I think he's in Men in Black 3, the aforementioned. <laughs> really? Um, he's also going to be in the the next two Avatar films, so things going well for him. Um Brett McKenzie, more kind of, I think he was more of the musician. He won an Oscar for like a Muppet song as well, I think. They've been doing quite well and they've toured kind of sporadically. But yeah, that original series is absolutely fantastic. I just love their kind of sense of humor. That kind of Kiwi thing was great. It was like this real optimism, um, optimistic slant, I guess, on the whole thing. And it just worked. It does feel quite of its time just in terms of that sense of humor. Um, Can I upset you? yeah, and go on. Perhaps some listeners. I've never seen it ever. This is a complete. Oh, this is a complete comedy musical phenomenon that totally passed me by, and oh, I felt like I was so too late good. to the party, and I just never went near it. Oh my god! You have to watch it. I think you'd really like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. What's the sell? How would you sell it to your good um, panel, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the setup is quite cynical and good. Like it's not too fantastical. So it's essentially these two um, New Zealanders going to New York to try and make it, and they don't make it whatsoever. Um, but they remain upbeat. Um, so all the kind of songs are woven in as if, as if they're kind of flights of fancy. Are they like they're not songs they've actually written because they're not that talented? So it's this kind of pathetic thing of just like they'll never quite make it, but they can kind of break into song at certain points, and they're just so on point musically. They're great. What was the? I think the tagline of the whole show was like the story. The story of us is a couple of guys who start at the bottom and with a lot of hard work continue along the bottom and finally end up at the bottom. <laughs> I think that would be myself. <laughs> That's good. Um, there's another great there's another great line in this uh song where Brett's singing about seeing a man lying on the street half dead with knives and forks sticking out of his leg and Jermaine just comes in with it's just the cadence of it's so perfect, but it, the line is like, can somebody please remove these cutleries from my knees? <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> just there's lots of those little moments. Um, I'm going to have to revisit soon. Okay. Maybe I'll join just, It will bring you joy. Yeah, I'd sense. say 
escape from the world on the here and now and check out Flight of Concords, man. All right, number one for me. Um, I debated this one and I thought, be true to yourself, Dave, and allow some self-deprecation into your life as well. No, it's not something I wrote because I'm not a songwriter, but I do respect certain songwriters a lot more than others. And thus, even my own sacred cows must be brought to the slaughter. Here's my number one. I am Trent Reznor. This is how I write songs. Verses sound like this Then I throw in some random percussion So that you can dance to it Weird guitar Yes, that is, this is a Trent Reznor song. It's from uh, 2014. It's by an American comedian, I believe, by the name of Freddie Scott, who has said that he's a huge Nine Inch Nails fan and it was done out of love. Uh, The thing about this one, though, is, and I think it is funny, I think the elements are there and the tropes are there. And again, uh, I also went on a bit of a deep dive into the Nine Inch Nails subreddit, etc., and see what people thought about this and the YouTube comments and that kind of stuff. And most Nine Inch Nails fans are very much on board. They were like, this is one of the more respectable, you know, respectful parodies out there, blah, 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 and you've nailed so much of it. Um, My only kind of problem, if there is a problem, and I wonder if it is a problem, is that, like, you're taking an existing Nine Inch Nails song, which is Copy of A, which came out around that time came out on hesitation marks the year before um and you're just taking the entire lyrics mel- the melody like the structure the construction and you're just yeah throwing your own kind of funny lyrics over it instead but at the same time it is that song and so many nice nail songs do follow that pattern do follow a deconstruction that lends themselves right before it and if i'm having to go with the chili peppers one i gotta have a go with this one too and of course inevitably as that song builds and gets to its chorus you're like, well, this is just a banger. And then you're like, that's because Copy of A is a banger. And I threw on that one. Like, I, I saw them live. It was the first time I saw Nine Inch Nails live was on that tour. And they kind of opened with that, I think. And I was like, oh, God, this is just the greatest thing of all time, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and so I threw on like a live version of it after this last night. Uh, while I was lifting weights, Craig, full on Trent Reznor mode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you doing weights, are you? <laughs> doing weights. Were you at the gym or no, you got no, out? No, I was at home. I was uh, sure I was prepping for the podcast. I was working till fucking half seven and I came home with no time to do anything. So I was like, I'll stick on some industrial music and do some weights, I guess. Well, after I'd sent all my clips to Adam. It Henry was Rollins it was, over here. <laughs> it was completely bare house he lives in. Yeah, but except for speakers and weights. Yeah. But I'm there and I have like nine nails blasting on the TV in front of me with like all kinds of like crazy like strobe lights and I'm like lifting weights and I'm just like, if people can see into this window, like <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> But I yeah. was doing I was doing weights this week. <laughs> See, there you go. In my um in the living room, and I didn't. It was a w- very it was very warm. It's been a warm week. I had the window kind of open. And I didn't pull the curtains. We ran clothes, Craig. I was wearing yeah. I was wearing clothes. I wasn't wearing a top, but because it was very hot. <laughs> so you're just wearing your underwear. This is what. This no, is no, what no, no. I was wearing trousers. I was wearing trousers and trousers. shoes and all that kind of stuff. While lifting weights and no top. <laughs> Fucking Patrick Bateman over here. <laughs> It's very quiet where I live, right? So I didn't think any... This elderly couple 
were walking past. <laughs> oh, no. Which would have been great. A few people passed and just didn't, because you can't really, like the house kind of dips down and you can't see through the window unless you're really looking. Sure, But sure. they started really looking as they were walking <laughs> and maintained <laughs> eye contact Adonis. with me. Harold, Harold there's Adonis in the room. We have to have a look. Eye contact was maintained for the entire time they walked past the window. What were you listening to? Like, I was listening to the instructor on YouTube. I didn't have any tunes on because it's a new thing. I just like oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah. dumbbells and I'm, not, yeah, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. I was hoping it was um, like Faith No More or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I felt, I don't know, I felt very exposed. Wow. Well, Close your curtains. Close your curtains. You're in the, you're in the privacy. My advice. In the privacy of your own home. You weren't doing anything too untoward, you know? True, true. I mean, look, uh, Adam says, finally living out your prison fantasy. <laughs> finally, yeah. Post-pandemic, man. Well, I know still Can you catch people up on the prison fantasy, by the way? Because it's been a long time since we've referenced it. So when we first went into lockdown, I was trying to look for silver linings and I was I was telling you guys in confidence and obviously you, the listener, and yeah. everyone else that can access this MP3 this audio across the internet. <laughs> across the world. <laughs> um, that I was toying with the idea of like, it, this was an opportunity finally where we couldn't do much. So that kind of prison fantasy most people have. And you're like... What? Was like, <laughs> what like shiving someone in the showers? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, like, like killing someone? I was like, well, where is this going? That idea, no, free time, essentially. Just time with your thoughts. <laughs> what do you think prison <laughs> a is? A time to work out. Prison is somewhere where you go and read a lot of philosophy <laughs> and get ripped. <laughs> Prison's a state of mind, bro. <laughs> Prison is a state of mind. Didn't happen, but maybe now. I'll give up after a week. Okay. But yeah. Uh, stand by your principles, Greg. Uh, stick to your guns. The guns that you're building. Hey. Wrap it up. Gets no better than that, baby. He's done it, folks. We're done. What can I say? Well, someone who is beyond parody, I would say, is Sonic <laughs> Architect Adam Shanahan, because he's a perfect specimen of audio and sound, and a sound man to boot. And man, yeah. And, yeah, just a great person all around, really. I don't know what his workout routine is like. Maybe we can talk about that on No Ox Chord Sunday when we're recording that. That episode will be coming out on patreon.com slash noencore on Monday. There's 11 other episodes as well available. There's also a two-part Q&A that we recorded a couple of Christmases ago. Uh, listener questions we must do another one of those soon yeah uh, patreon.com slash no encore um, five or a month if you want to help support the show more if you prefer or none at all just tell your friends about the show show some love in that regard and the audio realm of the world next week we'll be reviewing the new album from Pusha T not the Fontaines and we'll have a top five <laughs> of course sorry Fontaines do apologize I'm going to listen to it I am actually genuinely curious to hear it and I haven't yeah dis- we might chat about it in passing I disliked the singles so far they've been okay I suppose you know but Pusha T takes precedent and that's the way he it's going to be my name is David William Hanready this has been No Encore and there will be No Encore and we'll be back very very soon or sooner if you're over on patreon.com slash No Encore have an amazing week good luck
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.